Thank you. Thank you, Caleb and Keith and Sherry and Mark. Man, I, I so love being led into the presence of the Lord by you guys. Can we give them a round of a hand this Christmas? <clears throat> oh, hey, if you are here for the first time or you're watching online because you're sick at home, my name is Ben White. I am the campus pastor here at our Edgerton location. We are one church that meets in multiple locations, and I am so thankful that you chose to spend Christmas Eve with us. If, you're, if your house is anything like ours right now, uh, there's some last-minute wrapping, there's toys scattered everywhere, and it probably feels like extreme chaos. And, and it's, it's interesting because Jesus, throughout his entire ministry, and, and, and even in the birth uh, of himself, says, hey, I, I'm here to bring peace. I'm here to create peace. I'm here to show you Walmart parking lot just this past week, and you'll see how chaotic it has become. And, and, and I, I also want to say, too, that, that peace looks different for each of us here, right? Uh, we, we did Christmas as a family with my family down in Dallas yesterday, and we FaceTimed in, and we couldn't get the audio working, and so me and Hannah were making jokes the whole time that nobody could hear, and and my family was unwrapping presents, and, and it would look just like pure chaos. And there was my dad, and, and he chose to just sit himself in the back. He handed out a few presents, and, and he just watched as his grandkids and his kiddos opened their presents and seeing the joy light up on their faces, and he was peaceful and content. And on the flip side of that, when me and Hannah, they, they decided to give us a slide for Christmas for Asa. And so our, our, our whole house is just covered with, with toys and wrapping paper and boxes from, from family Christmas yesterday. And yet watching Asa go down the slide as we hold him down for the first, the 14th, the 15th, the 20th time, me and Hannah are at peace and are content because our son is having fun. Right? And some would say that that's what Christmas is all about. I disagree. I, I don't believe in fun. That's a joke. I was trying to lighten the mood. <laughs> I love fun, and I love presents, and the greatest present that we could get this Christmas is peace with God. And here's what this looks like. We're in this series called He Will Be Called, and today we're talking about Jesus' name being Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6 has been our go-to verse for this series, and it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And, and, and so to understand, though, the kind of peace that Jesus is giving, you have to understand what kind of prince he is. Right? Because Jesus is not like a lot of princes or a lot of royalty or a lot of like high up politicians and presidents' kids that we see today. He doesn't flaunt around his kingdom, he doesn't flaunt around his wealth, he doesn't swagger. Right? He's an unassuming guy with an unassuming gospel and an unassuming message. Isaiah 53, 1 through 6, Isaiah prophesies this about Jesus. 
Isaiah says, who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. Isaiah basically just said, Jesus was the ugliest dude around town, right? We, we have all these depictions of stained glass Jesus and, and churches, and they make him look so handsome. And, and Isaiah says, hey, he was an ugly guy. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as of one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, despised and we esteemed him not. Surely, though, he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of of us all. You see, one of the things that I love about the, the prophet Isaiah as I've been reading through it is he is able to accurately predict who Jesus is at the beginning of his, of his ministry while he was born and who Jesus is during all of his ministry and ultimately what we look to, the cross. Not many people can most accurately predict that. Isaiah was gifted with that knowledge to God even though he didn't understand it. But basically, Isaiah in these two passages has given us everything we need to know about the Messiah. He says, hey, this gift you're about to get, it's going to be wonderful, it's going to be mighty, it's going to be everlasting, it's going to be royal. But this gift, you're going to hate. You're going to despise. It's not going to look like a regular gift. It's not going to be what you expect. Right? It's, it's like asking people to be happy about getting socks and underwear for Christmas. Right? It's not what you think it is. It's socks and underwear. Or I think when I was younger, it was wool. Everything was wool and nobody wanted wool, but everybody kept getting wool. Right? Like there are certain gifts that we don't like to receive. We don't know how to receive. But with this gift of a baby throughout his entire ministry becoming a man and dying on the cross, we are given the greatest gift of all time. And that is the gift to be at peace with the one person who wants us around his table more than anyone. You see, Jesus, through his birth, death, resurrection, brought back relationship with Christ, the back relationship with God, the, the only person, the only being in the entirety of the world that could do this. And it didn't come how we thought. And I, I find the gospel, the, the, the birth of Jesus, one of the most amusing stories. And, and here's why. It, Caleb read it earlier, but we're going to look at Luke 2, 13 through 14. And it says, and suddenly with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. These angels just showed up out of nowhere and said, hey, peace be to you. And they just keep saying it and saying it and scaring everybody, right? Everybody who had an encounter with an angel was afraid. 
I think that's funny too. And yet, the birth of Jesus Christ was anything but peaceful. If you've never gotten to go to a farm, you can go to Pam Sill's house on the way home. She'll love that. She's got a farm. She can tell you it's stinky, it's smelly, they got horses running around. Like, it is anything but peaceful. And to top that off, you've got the wise men who will call grandparents in this situation. They are chomping at the bit to get to see the newborn king, right? I, I'm, I recall when Asa was in the hospital, and, or when Hannah was giving birth and, and we were in the hospital and Debbie and Russell, Hannah's parents would just text us, hey, is it here yet? Like, is he, like, we don't know what it is, so we're calling it knit. We don't know the gender. Like, when's the baby getting here? Come on. Right? And then we get the cousin Eddies of the group who are the shepherds. And these shepherds are going and proclaiming to everybody, hey, they just had a baby. They just, you got to come look. And so the whole time, Mary and Joseph are trying to soak in this time with their baby, and everything is just chaos around them. And it is anything but peaceful. And yet, so I'm, I'm giving you permission, I guess. Maybe you don't know it, and maybe you're, you're trying to forget it. But Christmas can be, and probably should be, chaotic. Right? It, it's just part of the season. As me and Hannah were looking at our, our calendar for this month, it was like party after party after family engagement. And then we're doing this, and then there's a, a family FaceTime with this. And it's, it's weary. Right, but, but Jesus says, hey, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Right? He, he didn't say, blessed are the people pleasers, for they shall become sons of God. All of us, right, we, we want people to be at peace around the holidays. We, we know family ties are strained and, and, oh my gosh, he got invited to this party and if she shows up, then I'm not going to come and I'm not definitely not talking to this person. And, and it's not peaceful at all, right? We tend to avoid certain people around the holidays because we know that if we are around them for even a second, they'll grate our nerves and we're going to have a terrible holiday. And then there are those people, typically it's the moms of the group, that are like, no, no, it'll be okay. We're going to have a perfect family Christmas and we're going to take pictures at this time and presents at this time and here's where the family meal is and everybody's going to enjoy themselves. And they say it with such a straight face that, that it's kind of hard to tell that they're enjoying the season too. But, but as I've gotten to watch Christmas play out, it, it seems like a lot of us don't care about being at peace with each other as much as pleasing those around us. We want people to be happy. We want people to be content. But there's a real big difference between contentment and peace. Jesus even says this in Matthew 10, 34 through 36. He says, do not think that I've come to bring peace of his own household. You say, man, that kind of sounds like my family Christmas I'm about to experience tomorrow, and that's okay. Because the peace that Jesus brings is not a, hey, you're going to be at peace with everybody in this room. <clears throat> the peace that Jesus brings is you get to be in active relationship again with the Father who loves you. You see, a peacemaker is someone who shares the gospel with unbelievers and invites them to be at peace with God. That is what real peace looks like. It's not, hey, me and Hannah are at odds, but we're going to throw all of our disagreements aside for one day just so we can have a family Christmas. 
It's a man. I get to sit down with the ever-living, everlasting father of the universe, and he knows my name. And he says, hey, son, I love you. And that is what peace looks like this season. This is the gospel that Jesus proclaimed. Our seek first was, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching that. You see, because before Jesus came into the picture, the Jews were a whole bunch of people pleasers. They tried to say the right thing. They tried to do the right thing when they were supposed to do it, how they were supposed to do it, just so that they could earn God's favor. And Jesus says, hey, you're doing it wrong. Because you're just doing it, but you don't care about the Father. But the Father cares so much about you that I came into the world so that you could have peace. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way this holiday season for you to have true peace, regardless of what is happening at home or around the world, is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's the only way. And here's what's cool about this, is God's peace is not circumstantial. God's peace does not say, hey, Chris, my dad, can have a Christmas and he can be at peace watching his grandkids, while our peace at home is pure chaos. He says, hey, my peace is everlasting and ever flowing out of me. So if you have relationship with me, you carry my peace. And the world can't give us peace like Jesus can. Check this out. John 14, 27 says, peace I leave with you and my peace I give to you. Peace is this gift. Not as the world gives do I give. Let not your hearts be troubled, therefore, neither let them be afraid. You see, Jesus gives gifts and he says, hey man, you can have this. Right? The devil likes to trade and deal and do under the table dealings and try to get and jockey and position in our hearts. And Jesus says, hey, I've wrapped you a present. All you have to do is take it, right? My wife will tell you that I love getting gifts on Christmas. I really do. Um, I try to act like I don't so people, like, she goes, no, you're, you turn into a child and I tear through the wrapping paper faster than Asa could, right? But this great gift of peace and of joy during this holiday season is not something that I can just unwrap in a day. Right? It takes nine months to carry a baby, and then they're delivered within a week, maybe. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But, but it takes time to get the true peace and to really understand the peace, the love, the joy that Jesus brings this season. Jesus also says in John 16, 33, he says, I have said these things to you. They're intertwined, interlaced, like you can't have one without the other. They're not exclusive. Ephesians 2, 14 through 16 also says this, for he himself, Paul is talking about Jesus, for he, Jesus, is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, 
and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Without Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, you cannot have peace with God. Like you can't. That was awesome, Guthrie. That was a good burp. We can acknowledge that. You cannot have peace with God without the cross, right? And so we see this baby lying in a manger, crowded, cousin Eddie's and grandparents everywhere, right? And it's all pointing to one place. It's all pointing to the cross where Jesus says, hey, I'm taking your scarlet, your blood-stained clothes, so that you can be snow white this year. Not the princess, but the color. He says, hey, I know your stains can never be removed. And part of that is because you're trying to people please God and you're not trying to be at peace with him. So I came and I'm going to show you what true peace looks like and I'm going to show you how to have a relationship with the Father. And then, if that's not enough, I'm going to take your bloodstained clothes. I'm going to take your bloodstained heart, your bloodstained body, and I am going to make you clean. And I am going to make you whole. You see, Jesus, and for the rest of our lives, he's the only way. And I know most of you, and most of you watching online, you've heard the gospel message, baby, proclaimed before, but, but here's the crazy thing, too, is you get to touch people that I have no clue on how to reach, right? You, you will be around people this season that I won't be, right? You have the ability, as a peacemaker, to share the gospel of Jesus with those around you. Some of you are already, I see the wheels turning saying, man, yeah, my brother doesn't believe in Jesus. I've got a sister that wants nothing to do with Jesus, nothing to do with Christ, nothing, nothing to do really with any of our family. Does that mean she needs the gospel any less or any more than anybody else? We're all the same here, right? We, we are sanctified and set apart by the blood of Christ and through the word of our testimony, right? Like that's how the gospel gets shared. And if you're wondering what the gospel is this season, it's not a baby coming, right? Like it's, it's a whole story, but in its simplest form, Paul lays it out like this. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, he says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scripture, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture. This is the gospel. This is how we have relationship with our Father. Isaiah. And here's what we need to do, or what we need to invite them unbelievers to do this holiday season. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This is the only way, right? We proclaim the gospel message and then we say, hey, you either accept it or you don't. You're either going to make Jesus Lord of your life or you're not. And there's no gray area, right? There, there is no gray area this Christmas, Right? And I know it seems like I'm pushing, but because I believe in this so deeply and truthfully, I can't save you from hell. 
But this, this baby who was born in a manger, who, who raised from the dead 33 years later, he's the only one who can do that. But it has to be your choice to accept the gift laid out on the table. Right? I loved the fact that we, we did the, our little gift tags this Christmas. We, we gave something to Jesus, and maybe it was something we really needed him to take, or, or maybe we just wrote our name and said, Jesus, you can just have me today. But then we also got to pick up a tag from Jesus and say, Jesus, I need, I need a gift. I need something. I don't know how I'm going to get through this holiday season. I, my, my brother is driving me crazy, and my aunt is a, is a crazy person as well, and, and my wife, we're, we got no money. And I don't know how we're going to make it through, but I need you. Right? And it's that kind of heart posture that says, Jesus, I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to take care of everything in the world, but Jesus, right? I love the but gods in Scripture. I love if you stay later after service or if you came in before, you saw testimonies on the screens outside and inside just about what God has done, right? And there's always this moment of, man, I would have been lost but God, I would have been down on my luck, depressed, imprisoned, but God. And this is the same hope that you carry this Christmas. So here's what we're going to do. Everybody should have got a candle. If you did not get a candle, please raise your hand and we will get you a candle. We want everybody to be able to partake in this because it's something really sweet and something special. I'm constantly reminded of Matthew 5, 14 through 16 during this, this holiday season and as we do these candle lights. And it says, Jesus said, you are the light. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You can try to stay hidden. But at some point or another, you're going to get caught by the devil, you're going to get caught by somebody else, or you're going to get seen by Jesus. You, you, you can't go your life without being seen. It's impossible. Especially as believers. So here's what I'm asking as we, as we light, if I can get the ladder to work, these candles. Caleb's going to lead us out in a song. We're going to do a couple things. So one, whoever's got the light, their candle, whoever, whoever's trying to light their candle, their candle will bow to the light. And this is a twofold thing. It's practical. It doesn't get wax on the floor or on anybody's hands or anything like that. But it's also representative. Because the gospel bows to no man, woman, or child. It doesn't. It can't. Right? Jesus is a king. He's a servant king. But he doesn't bow to anybody's authority but the Father. So I'm going to invite Keith and, and our elder Steve to come and light the candles. And they'll begin to light yours.
And, and I know it, it's tradition, candlelight ceremonies, everybody loves them on Christmas Eve. And us to really think and understand that. It, it, is this really the gospel that I believe, that Christ died, that he was buried, that he was resurrected? And is Jesus Lord of my life? And if you're watching online, I encourage you to put in the comments. We'll get somebody to pray with you. And, and if you're here and you haven't made that decision, come talk to me. Come talk to Keith or Caleb or Keith after service, and we'd love to pray through that. I'm going to come back up and pray over us and bless us before we go. But right now, would you stand with me and, and let Caleb lead us into worship once again? There is a candle in every soul, some brightly burning, some dark and cold. 